listening to the Living Room North Living Room North podcast. We're kicking off this series called Big Reputation. And no, this is not an Easter egg that reputation's coming out next year or next month instead of 1989. I wish it was. Taylor did not call me. She didn't say, hey, can you say reputation 1,989 times tonight to make it known that it's coming out instead of 1989? I probably will say it that many times tonight, but she didn't call me. I'm really bummed about it, but we have three more weeks of the series. So Taylor, if you're listening, you can feel free to call me or Heath Miller. My number is 706-97. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'll make her a friendship bracelet because that worked for Travis. So we'll try it out. But Full transparency, I had a different like thing written and then she actually showed up at the game on Sunday and I was like, oh, I can't really make fun of him anymore. But this is not about Taylor Swift, although it is called Reputation, Big Reputation. We are kicking off a brand new series. We're gonna be in the series for the next four weeks, including tonight. And we're gonna be talking about, any guesses? Thank you, not all at once, guys. Uh, Finance it. No, I'm kidding. Yes, reputation. We are talking about reputation for the next few weeks, and I'm really excited about this content. I'm really excited about this series. I've worked at a church for a long time. I've been a part of churches for a long time, and I've never heard a series on this topic, so I'm really excited about it. Um, But yes, we're going to be talking about reputation, and so just so we're all on the same page, the definition of reputation is really just what you're known for. It's a belief or an opinion of you that will impact how much people trust you and how much they engage with you. And this can be a good or bad thing. You know this. There can be good reputations and bad reputations. So let's think about you for a second. In your friend group, maybe you're known as the funny one and that's your reputation. Or maybe you're known as the one that people can always call when they need something and you're there. Maybe you're known as the planner. You're the one who got the Noah Khan tickets today. If that's you, I'm very jealous. Um, Or maybe, if we're being honest, in your friend group, you're known as the one who is chronically late. You are known as the one who never pays people back on Venmo. That reminder just sits there. And the person who sent it is like, any day now. And Venmo's like, that's enough reminders you're gonna offend them. Or maybe you're known as the one who, you leave your dorm a mess and you leave other people's dorms a mess. Or maybe you're a mixture of both, like they're a good time, but man, my room is a wreck when they leave. You can have a mix of a good or a bad reputation, but whether you're a Jesus follower or not, your reputation matters. And your reputation is important and something you should think about. And a good reputation is a good thing. And you know this because if there's something I think it's fair to say all of us try to avoid, it's a bad reputation. Nobody wants a bad reputation. I don't want a bad reputation. Because we know that bad reputations, they don't just leave us overnight. And a good reputation is a good thing. Actually, King Solomon, who wrote Proverbs, in uh, Proverbs 22, he says this, a good name or a good reputation is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. To have a good reputation is more important than any wealth you may have. To have a good reputation is more important than any bars of gold you may have. Because I know all of you in here are carrying around some bars of gold. They'll make a comeback one day. I know it. Just like these shoes from middle school. I was, this is just a side note. I was talking to somebody who I'm friends with, who I work with, who is 20. And my favorite thing about Gen Z and like young, cool millennials like me um, 
is that everything comes back in style, right? Like, that's the best thing. sync, for example. Who would have thought? But this person is talking to me, and they're like, you know what I'm really into right now? And I'm like, what? Tell me. They're like, listen to the CDs in the car. It's like, what? <laughs> we worked so hard to get rid of those. And here you are. You want my collection from 1998? But everything comes back around, so eventually you will be carrying bags of silver and gold because Apple Pay is no longer cool. One day, trust me, one day, you're going to look like Ebenezer Scrooge. But King Solomon says, hey, you could have all the money in the world. You could have all the silver and gold in the world, and it doesn't matter. What matters is who you are, what you're known for. And so I think it's fair to say for all of us in the room, we would like to be known for having a good reputation. Because a bad reputation, once you have a bad reputation, it is very hard to get rid of. And maybe you've experienced this yourself. Maybe it was something true that happened in high school, that it was a rumor that got around and it actually did happen, but you didn't think anyone would know and now everybody knows this about you. Or maybe something happened that, a rumor started that actually didn't happen to you. It wasn't true, but it became the thing you were known for and you thought, this will not go away until I graduate high school and move. That's what it's gonna take. I'm gonna have to start over because you know bad reputations do not just go away. And unfortunately, the saying is true, your reputation precedes you. Your reputation goes before you. Your reputation exposes you before people get to experience you. And you know this. Because think of how people describe people to you who you're going to meet. Oh, he's awesome. He's so great. Except sometimes he yells at waiters uh, and he's super arrogant. And you're like, wait, what? Or she's so cool. She's the best. But she might slash your tires. And you're like, what? And what are you going to remember about her? You're not going to drive your car to her house, right? You're like, I don't drive an automobile. Never have, never will. Because we hold on to the negative thing. When we hear something about someone, whether it's true or whether it's not, if it is negative, we remember it. Because we live in a world, we live in a, society, a culture that is obsessed with remembering every bad thing somebody did. This is the last Taylor Swift re uh, re reference, reputation, I'm gonna say that so many times, reference I'll make. But it's what her entire reputation era is about. She didn't do something, but somebody said she did, and her squeaky clean, country pop, starlet reputation was gone. And so she went off the grid, she went away, and then had to come back and work to get her reputation back. It happens to celebrities all the time, and it happens to us, that all of a sudden, a reputation that we've worked for is now gone because of a decision we made, or thing that was said about us, and that reputation will go before you. And that's all I have to say tonight, so thank you for, no, I'm just kidding. But here's the thing, this conversation becomes a much bigger deal when you represent something bigger than you, your reputation impact goes beyond you. When you represent something bigger than yourself, your reputation doesn't just end with you. So if you're a follower of Jesus, your reputation really, really matters. Because the reputation of the church matters, 
and because the reputation of Jesus matters to a world that is growing incredibly hostile towards organized religion. And it doesn't take much for the reputation of something to be ruined. You know this as well. One employee makes a poor decision, it can ruin the entire reputation of a company. A, a member of your team could have a negative attitude, it ruins the morale of the entire team. You have a bad experience at the restaurant, with one person, it ruins the entire reputation of that restaurant, you're never gonna go back. And you're gonna tell people it was awful. It doesn't take much for a reputation to be impacted. And the reputation of organized religion has plummeted. And maybe you're thinking, well, Lauren, that's great. Jesus is bigger and better than organized religion. And yes, I agree with you. However, to somebody who has been hurt by the church, who has been excluded from the church, who was never invited in in the first place, who experienced shame, to those people who are outside of the church, the church would be considered organized religion. And in 2019, Gallup did a study, they did a survey, and they found that 36%, only 36% of Americans have a great deal of confidence in any kind of organized religion. And that includes more than just Christianity. So the number for Christianity is actually lower than 36%. And this was in 2019. And I don't know if you remember, but we've had a super chill, casual four years in this country when it comes to religion. And so this number has plummeted since then. It is at its lowest. And it is heartbreaking. And when asked, you know, what, what do you think of the church? What do you think of organized religion? These were the words that were used. Exclusive, judgmental, dishonest, manipulative, legalistic, self-righteous, hurtful, and ignorant. That is what people outside of the church, whether they've been here before, whether they've been hurt by the church, that is what they think. And if you heard of a place and you were invited in and these were the words that came to mind, why would you ever go? Why would you ever step foot in that building? And what's crazy to me is the irony of this, is that these are the words that describe churches now, but throughout the New Testament we hear of how Jesus was described, and these are the words that were used. Inclusive, forgiving, honest, sincere, he offered grace, he was genuine, he was helpful, he was intelligent. And his reputation with outsiders was phenomenal. People who weren't sure what they thought about religion, who weren't sure what they thought about him, flocked to him. His mission was clear, he was compelling, he was honest with them, he loved them, he was genuine with them, he didn't try to manipulate them. But his reputation with people inside the religion, inside the church, wasn't so great. The religious didn't want anything to do with him. They were ruining, he was ruining their mission. And so his reputation with outsiders, amazing. His reputation with insiders, not so great. Our reputation with outsiders, not so great. We've completely reversed this. And so the question 
super light, easy breezy question I have for you tonight is how can we begin to repair the reputation of the local church? Now, I'm gonna use the word church a lot tonight and I wanna be really clear that if I'm talking specifically about Brownsbridge or specifically about the local church you attend, I'll be really clear with that. If I'm just saying church, I mean the capital C church, like the church at large in general. But let's use Brownsbridge for an example. I'm on staff here. I really like Brownsbridge. Brownsbridge has been great to me for many years, but let's talk about Brownsbridge. This building, the physical building you're in, is a great building, right? However, this building, these walls, these columns, everything about this building, this building cannot be judgmental because it's a building. It can't be manipulative, it can't be ignorant, it can't be hurtful, can't spew hate. But I can, you can. The people who fill this building could. And so when we talk about the reputation of the church, I think if we're gonna repair the reputation of the church, we have to begin with the reputations that fill the church, with the reputations who show up here every single week, with you and with me. And so this conversation isn't just this, you know, broad and vague and, oh, the church, we'll just get back on track, it'll be great. No, this conversation actually includes you. If you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, if you consider yourself to be a believer in the local church and want to see it thrive, then you are a part of this. You are an active participant in this mission to repair the reputation of the local church. I I'm an active participant. And what's true is that every single day, there are people, whether you wanna believe this or not, there are people who look at you and who watch you and look at your actions and how you speak. And from that, they make an assessment about Jesus, about Brownsbridge, about TLR, about faith, about God. And that is a, heavy responsibility. And if we're not careful, we can ruin not just our reputation, but reputations that go beyond us. And so, if you consider yourself somebody who follows Jesus, who loves God, who wants to see the local church thrive, who has benefited from the church, and it doesn't have to be Brownsbridge, it could be your church, from home, a church you attend in Dahlonega, if a local church has been beneficial to you and you want it to be beneficial to others, then every single one of us has to work together to repair the damage that has happened to the reputation of the church. And so, we're gonna look at what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter three tonight. This is what he says. He says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Now, whenever I study scripture, something that's been really important to me and something I feel really passionate about is not just reading from the same version of scripture. Having multiple translations is so helpful. 
And so it's okay if you only read NIV, that's fine, this is NIV. But the Bible wasn't written in English. It was translated into English, so therefore, if you read an NIV and something doesn't make sense to you, to go to another translation is so important because you might catch something you wouldn't have caught if you only stayed in that one translation. So for me, some of the translations I love are NIV, uh, NRSV, ESV, and then the message. And as I was preparing for this, I was looking at all those translations, and the version uh, of the message and the message of this passage was so cool to me because listen to what word they use here. In the message, they say, don't lose your grip on love and loyalty. Tie them around your neck. Carve their initials on your heart. Earn a reputation for living well in God's eyes and in the eyes of people. And I love the word earn there. Earn a reputation. This doesn't just happen overnight. To have a good reputation is something you work towards over and over and over again. And so if we're gonna be working towards not only our own reputation, but if we believe, hey, I wanna help the reputation of the church, I wanna turn this boat around, I want people to know who Jesus is, then we have to be so careful that we are repeating this love and loyalty, this love and faithfulness over and over and over again. And love simply says, I put you before me, and faithfulness says, you can count on me. That's as simple as it is. Love and faithfulness. Love is saying, you before me. No, you go. You go ahead of me. I'm thinking of you. How can I help you? And faithfulness says, you can count on me. I'm gonna show up for you. I'm gonna be in your corner. I'm gonna be a friend for you. You can call me when you need somebody. Love and faithfulness. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. When I think about the reputation of the church, and where we are and where we might just be headed if we don't get this right, is that these are not the defining factors of so many people's experience with Christians and with churches. I'm not saying every church is bad. I'm not saying every Christian is bad. But I think in our country there are a lot of Christians who they do not filter their actions through the lens of love and faithfulness. They just don't. It's through the lens of hatred, it's through the lens of control, it's through the lens of judgment, and it's fascinating to me and horrifying because scripture makes it abundantly clear that love and faithfulness should be our driving force. Love your neighbor as yourself. But so many times, so many times I think the filter is, well, I will love you if you act like me. I will love you if you think like me. I will love you if you look like me. I will love you if you live your life like I live my life. I will be faithful to you as long as you do X, Y, Z. I will be faithful to you as long as you do exactly what I think you should do with your life. And what I think you should do with your life is exactly what I'm doing with my life. And man, that has done some serious damage to the church and to Christianity at large. Because nowhere in scripture does God say, yes, I will sacrifice my son for you as long as you do this and this and behave this way and hate these people and only like these people and only be with these people. 
No. That's the whole point of grace is that we are sinners and we are broken and we will make mistakes and we are not perfect. And God knew that. And yet he gave his son for us so that we can know him. Complete grace. And yet we stand here and act like I'm better than you because I do this. I'm better than you because I voted this way. I'm better than you because I tithe 10% every single month. I'm better than you because I look like this. And it's such garbage. And it has hurt the reputation of the church and it will continue to hurt the reputation of the church as long as we act like we're better than others. You can love people and be faithful to people who vote differently than you. You know this, y'all get this, but there are so many people who don't. We have decided that politics is how we will decide who we love and who we hate. And I don't remember Jesus saying that we can only hang out with Republicans or we can only hang out with Democrats. But for some reason, there are so many Christians in power who have decided this is how we operate. And that is not what the church is meant to be. It's never what it was meant to be. One of my favorite things about my parents, I love my parents so much. They've been married for over 35 years and their marriage isn't perfect, but still every day they love each other and they vote differently almost every single time. And yet, they choose each other every day. And both of them drive me crazy, not just one. And I love both of them equally. This is just a total side note, but I, um, I'm not married, so I uh, go on dates, so it's crazy. And I dabble in the apps. Um, <laughs> If someone said they saw me, no, they didn't. That's private. But I kid you not, guys, I kid you not. And I'm talking to everybody, but mainly the men. Listen, one of the most unattractive things that I see all the time, first prompt, out the gate, first thing I see on their profile, if you voted for blank, go ahead and swipe left. Like, maybe I murdered someone too, but I guess that's all you want to know about me. That's crazy. That is crazy that that is how we decide I like you if you voted like me. It's wild. And I just think it's getting so old and it's doing so much damage. And if we are going to be people who love and are faithful and are loyal to people well, it means everybody. And here's why that should matter to us, because Solomon goes on and he says, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. When we lead with love and faithfulness, when love and faithfulness are the filters we make our decision making through, we will win favor. We will have a good reputation with the people around us. And I want you to think about someone in your life right now who leads with love and faithfulness. And maybe they're sitting with you tonight. Maybe they invited you to TLR. 
maybe they're in your family, maybe you've been friends with them for a long time, but those people who so clearly lead their life with love and faithfulness, we are drawn to them. That's who we wanna be friends with. It's who we wanna work with, it's who we wanna date. And so why wouldn't we wanna be those people? And when you act with love and faithfulness, all it does is gain you trust with the people around you, influence with the people around you. People feel safe around you. People feel welcomed around you. And ultimately, they will see something different in you. And because they have known you as someone who is loving and faithful, your invitation to church, to TLR, to whatever it is, can bear the weight of that. Because they know at the end of the day, you are loving and you are kind. And that has to be what Jesus is. I've gotta know more about Jesus because this person who says they love Jesus, man, there's something different about them. But not only that, Solomon says, you will also win favor with God. And maybe you're like, wait, that doesn't make sense. But it's so clear in the New Testament. First John says this in chapter four, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Out the gate. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. You cannot be right with God if you are not right with his children. You cannot be right with God and hate a son or daughter of his. You can't. In order to be good here, you need to be good here. And so people who act with hate and judgment and exclusion, but say, it's because I love God. Well, I have some news. You cannot love God and hate the people around you. You can't do it. And so love and faithfulness have to be our guide, have to be how we base our decisions, how we approach the people around us. And so the question is, how do we repair the reputation of the local church? One at a time. One person at a time. One conversation at a time, one relationship at a time, one day at a time, one class at a time. One at a time. Because this isn't gonna be overnight. And it's gonna take time. But if you approach every conversation, and that's hard, it is so hard to do. Hate is so much easier. To ignore people is so much easier. To exclude people is so much easier. But to approach every conversation with everyone you interact, and you won't get this right all the time, I don't get this right all the time, but to try our best to approach every conversation with everyone we interact with, even if we really don't like them, with love and faithfulness, that is how we gain back trust, we gain back relational equity, we gain back the interest people once had in the church. And we we meet them with love and faithfulness every single time because repetition creates reputation. Repetition creates reputation over and over and over again. 
And maybe you're sitting here tonight and you are someone who was hurt by the church and you are someone who has felt outcasted and shame and judged and I just wanna say I'm so glad you're here and I'm so sorry that happened to you and I hope it never ever happens to you again but I'm so glad you came back because that was not a true picture of who Jesus is. And I hope you continue to come back and continue to fall in love with Jesus. And you will find that he's not gonna meet you with shame, that he's not gonna exclude you, but you're actually welcomed here just as you are. And for those of you who have been followers of Jesus for a long time, I'm so sorry that people before you have made poor decisions that, has, that have ruined the reputation of the church and it ultimately falls on your generation to turn things around. I would say your generation and mine, we have to work together and we have to work every single day to turn this around. Or else that 36% is just gonna continue to drop and it is heartbreaking. And so we will choose love and faithfulness every time. And the thing about the church that's awesome is we do this great on a macro level, right? For example, Brownsbridge is in the middle of our Be Rich, which is our annual generosity campaign where between us and all of our campuses, we raise millions of dollars every year and 100% of it goes back into the community, goes back to our schools, to nonprofits, to people who need it. It's amazing and I don't think anyone has a problem with it. There's no one out there who's like, man, that Brownsbridge is raising too much money. No one out there is like, North Point, please stop giving away millions. Like, everyone's cool with it. We do backpack drives, we do food drives, we give you opportunities to serve and you step up and you meet the need and nobody has a problem with the macro level. It's the micro level that we have to pay attention to. It's the one-on-one conversations because that's where the hurt happens. But that's also where the healing can happen and where the love and faithfulness can be shown. So, I believe in you, I'm excited for TLR. I'm excited for this next semester, this next year with y'all, and I'm really excited about these next few weeks in this series, and I hope you come back, because you're going to hear from people who I believe have a great reputation and feel really passionate about this.